Trials and tribulations, life can get rough. And through the storm, we'll make it. Just put your trust in Him. No matter what you're going through, I know that I'll never leave you. You feel that you can't take no more. You may think you've seen it all. people, you're about to hear part one of a special conversation with Rhonda Guyton. October is Breast Cancer Awareness Month, and I wanted to be sure to share her story of survival with you. You will learn that she is much more than just a breast cancer survivor. She is a woman with a mission and living her best and happy life. Check out part one now. Hey, you guys, it's time for another episode of Get Happy with Jay, the podcast where you're going to be encouraged, you're going to be uplifted, and hopefully well on your way to your journey towards happiness. And today I have the pleasure of having a wonderful guest along with me. I cannot even begin to tell you how inspirational this lady is, but uh, you're going to hear for yourself in just a moment. Let me introduce to you guys my happy movement people to Rhonda Guyton. She's an amazing woman. She's an overcomer. We're going to talk about all of her amazing accomplishments in just a few. But first of all, hello, Rhonda. Hello, Jay. Thank you for having me. I am so stoked to have you on the show. I'm like, I had this list of people that um, I wanted to interview for the podcast. I'm talking, I'm thinking in my mind about all these amazing, inspirational people, and you were seriously at the top of the list. Oh, thank you. So to have you as my first official guest on the podcast is such an honor. I am honored that you think that highly of me. I appreciate that. I don't even, I'm excited for you. I'm excited for you. This is great. And I love this just to um, be a part of this podcast with you to encourage people and just love on them and give them encouraging words because you just never know what somebody is going through. Right. And if you can share your story and you can help them, you need to know when you're going through that someone else has been there. And then if you can see that they've gone through it and, and successfully, it gives them some encouragement that, hey, I can go through this too. Oh, absolutely. When you have someone that has been through that journey, has literally walked in those shoes, then you can look at them and say, okay, a lot of times we don't realize that we're mentors or we're leaders for other people. People are watching watching. you when you don't know. Exactly, Mm -hmm. exactly. And then when you aren't ashamed to share your story. Mm-hmm. That makes it even greater because now you have young people it's like, well, you don't understand. No, really, I do because I've been there. Let me tell you yes. a little bit of what I've gone through. And that's the thing about young people. They don't realize that you were once their age. They just automatically say, oh, you can't relate. How do you know what I'm going through? Well, honey, I was 15, 16, 17 once upon a time. I didn't grow up at 48. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> you know, so times are a little bit different now, but we've been there. But let me backtrack a little bit and tell you guys just how awesome Rhonda is. She is so bad, y'all, and so accomplished (laughs) in her life. She was recently promoted to undersheriff in our community, the first woman and the first woman of color to be in that position. And you were telling me a little bit ago that you were the first female sheriff. Deputy sheriff, yes. So That is amazing. Yes. um, I didn't know it, obviously, at the time, and other um, officers when I uh, began in the jail almost 24 
four years ago uh, told me that. I was like, really? It's like, yeah. So you kind of feel a little bit of pressure because you're like, you don't want to mess up. You Uh don't want to feed it in type of stereotypes Mm -hmm. and that kind of thing. But I have truly had an amazing journey with the sheriff's department. Um, Peoria County clearly has paid the bills, you know, Uh Um, and I've had I've got some great working relationships. Uh And uh, it's not what I thought at first, you know, Mm -hmm. going to that next step, working in corrections and then becoming a deputy sheriff. It's it's nothing what I envisioned it to be, Mm -hmm. Um, but been very supportive. And then taking on this new role as the jail superintendent is Mm -hmm. absolutely amazing. And um, the entire administration has been very supportive. Mm -hmm. Um, Anything that I need, any questions, um, they have been right there. And the sheriff has been awesome because, number one, you know, we kind of took the same path of Mm -hmm. moving up the ladder. But the fact that he was the jail superintendent and he's um, made some amazing changes and, Mm -hmm. you know, really got us up to the 21st century. You know, I got some big shoes to fill, you know, with the different things that he's been able to accomplish. And if I have questions, I can go right down the hall. I'm like, okay, Sheriff, not sure about this here. You know, I saw this. So um, the on-the-job training is great. So it's not like I'm just, you know, jumping into it and I don't have any guidance. Mm-hmm. He's been awesome as well as the other under sheriff. So I'm truly, truly honored and I'm excited about the future and the different things that together, collaboratively, we're going to be working on for the community, mm-hmm. for um, those that are detained within the facilities. So um, just keep watching keep and watching it's so important to see you in that role we know what's going on in the country with race relations seeming to go backwards so it's so important for people to see you in that role and to see you working with your Caucasian counterparts together so harmoniously we need to see that more than ever so that's awesome you and not just us working together because you see um black and whites work together um in law enforcement, but people also need to see how not only are we working together, but we're working together in the community also. You know, it's not, it doesn't just stop, you know, out on Maxwell Road. Mm-hmm. It continues beyond those borders right. of the Sheriff's Department. You know, we're all active in the community. We want to, we want the community to succeed because that lowers our numbers. You know, mm-hmm. ideally, of course, you want the jail to close. Yeah. Unfortunately, we do have people that deserve to be there. Yeah. You know, people are, you know, there are certain things. And that, recidivism is an issue. Exactly. Right? We want to help with that. So one mm-hmm. of the things that um, the sheriff had done is that he's working with um, jobs partnership. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I'm kind of in that role now um, with making sure that goes. So one of the things with job partnership, they're going to go through a seven week program while they're incarcerated. And the goal is that when they graduate from that program, they'll be mm-hmm. able to go into a and the elite program and through that program they'll be able to hopefully get a job and you know we also have GED so Mm -hmm. we're working on that recidivism we don't we want we don't want you to come back we want you you to live your yeah we want you to live your best life so Mm -hmm. we want to be able to have these different programs that is going to increase you increase your education it's Mm going to increase your economic potential, you know, give you some skill sets, whether it be food, sanitation or whatever. We we want you to succeed. Mm-hmm. Nobody wants you to fail. We want you to succeed. So, And um, I'm sure that makes a difference to these young men and women that come uh, in contact with you because they just kind of sometimes need to know that someone cares because sadly they may not have that at home. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, you're going to be the bright light in their life. You might be the best example of that, that they have. Exactly. And uh, so 
keep us in prayer. Keep us in Absolutely. prayer as we, we go through these this transition, adding different programs. And, you know, pray for those that are detained because, we know, as we're moving into the fall, we're going to be mm-hmm. going into the holiday season. And that's mm-hmm. hard for a lot of people. Yeah, And so keep is. them lifted up in prayer that they're going to be successful in these different programs that we're rolling out for them and that they're also going to be able to get through these, these difficult times mm-hmm. with the holidays. Yeah, because the holidays, it's a very triggering time for a lot of people for many reasons. Being away from their family, mm-hmm. you know, unfortunately, you have people that, that are passing away during these different times. Yes. And so we just want to be encouraged. So yeah. just, just keep praying for those that are detained, that they can get through this process and they can become productive once they get out, that they get their GED, mm-hmm. that they are getting the necessary skills so that they can take care of their families when they get out. I want to get you back on another show because we could talk really exclusively about that and just and just what you're doing. So that's a show in and of itself. But in addition to your career, Rhonda is a breast cancer survivor. October is Breast Cancer Awareness Month. So we definitely want to talk about that. So you are a survivor and an overcomer of breast cancer, which is amazing. Yes. And from you overcoming that, you started a wonderful foundation yes. that we are also going to be talking about as well. But let's talk about your cancer diagnosis. First of all, how how many years now since? Five years. And that's July. Isn't, July 12th was five years for me. And isn't five years like the magical stage that you want to look kinda for like that a, five year mark? It's kind of like you can breathe. You kind of do an exhale. It's yes. like, okay, I made it through this, the, this space here. You know, mm-hmm. my chances of surviving are greater we yes. know that it can come back and um but i'm excited about that five-year mark you know mm-hmm. so it's like but every year you know um as a survivor and i think i can speak for a lot of women that have gone through fighting this battle is that we still have those fears we're still we mm-hmm. still think about it we still have to do our self-breast exams yes and so every little thing we're more aware of our bodies than we were before talk so about we're how um things. how your breast cancer was uh, discovered mine was discovered from my vanity mm-hmm. because I was turning 40 and I mm-hmm. wanted to have my big uh, 40th birthday party in Miami. I, you know, mm-hmm. I wanted to be in a bikini, the whole nine yards. You know, I wanted to show out for my 40th birthday. And so I was getting implants. Yeah. And I was getting a little bit of a little tummy tuck. You know, I was going to make sure it was all perfect, you know. Yeah. <laughs> and um, the doctor that was going to be doing my reconstruction, um, my implants at state, it was like, well, you know, you're going to be turning 40. So go ahead and get tested. Mm-hmm. I was like, okay. Now I had already put down my deposit. I had already had my consultation set up. Mm -hmm. So I went in on like a Monday or Tuesday and had my mammogram. So I'm, you know, I'm good. You know, I was in Mm -hmm. good shape, not a smoker, you know, been working out. So, you know, no history of my family. Mm -hmm. And then... That's important to know. Yes. And that's the other thing. We need to make sure we know our family history. And a lot Mm -hmm. of us don't. We don't ask enough questions, but we'll get back to that. He called me back and said, hey, you know what? We saw something. We want to have you come back in because, you know, minority women a lot of times will have dense breasts. Mm -hmm. And we just want to, you know, check it. And if we need to put a marker in, and we can follow it. So I go back in. This is all within the same week. Yes. I go back in, and uh, he was like, well, you know, we see something. So we're going to do a biopsy. And I'm kind of nervous, but at the same time, I'm thinking, we're good. Well, you know, no issues. And I, I go back in. They do the biopsy. They have this needle that, you know, the size of a small child. It's huge. I mean, mm-hmm. you can go deep sea fishing with this needle. That's wow. how big it was. Mm-hmm. So I thought I was going to pass out. When I saw it, I was like, there's like no anesthesia, no nothing. You're not going to uh-huh. put me out for this. Right. So he called me back on that Friday, which was also Mother's Day weekend. It was also the weekend that my son was graduating from high school. It was also the weekend that we were going, we were having a party because my son had joined the Air Force. And so we were having a lot of family and 
friends over mm-hmm. to, you know, wish him well. And the doctor called me on Friday and he told me that I had ductal carcinoma in situ. And my first thought was, I have no idea what you just said to me. Right. And he was like, it's cancer. OK, I need you to spell that for me because I wasn't familiar with it. You know, he, he spit it out like I was supposed to know. Mm-hmm. And you would think that at 39 that I would know a little bit, but I didn't. Yeah. I mean, I knew about comb and I knew that, you know, we raced for a cure. I knew that we donated money, but I mm-hmm. didn't know all the terminology. I didn't um, I didn't understand or didn't embrace the way I should have the importance of doing a self-breast exam. So, or you, know hadn't, my so you hadn't really been doing breast self-exams? Didn't do anything. Mm-hmm. I didn't really embrace, understand the importance of doing the self-breast yeah. exam. For one, I didn't ask questions about my family history. Mm-hmm. Um, thankfully, you know, that wasn't, you know, one of the things that was prevalent in my family. And because of that, I didn't see the importance of it. But even yeah. if you don't have a family history, it's important that you know your family history mm-hmm. and you do those self-breast exams. Absolutely. So it was a rough weekend. We didn't say anything to anybody. How and do you even hold that in? I mean, with all the family and friends around, um, did anybody suspect anything? Because how no, did you act? I no. mean, how do you even process a diagnosis like that? Because I think most people, when you hear the C word, you think the worst. Did you automatically think the worst? How did you process it? I don't know if I actually thought the worst. I, my immediate thought was, what am I going to do to share this with other people? Literally, the doctor called me at nine. I called my cousin Judea, called my husband, and then I called Coleman. Mm-hmm. And I always say, God places people in your life at the right time, at the right moment for a reason. We yes. just have to understand it. We have mm-hmm. to know when people are placed, what we're supposed to get out of them. Mm-hmm. I had met Gail, who's one of the directors, mission directors at Coleman, literally six months prior to that, like back in November. Mm-hmm. And for whatever reason, we, we connected. And so mm-hmm. her and Gina Morris, they were the first people that I literally thought of mm-hmm. within that 30 minutes. So at nine o'clock, he called. I called my husband. I called my cousin. And I called Coleman mm-hmm. all by 930. And wow. I said, what can you do to help me get this message out to mm-hmm. go on this journey? So I don't know what was supposed to happen. You know, yes. I, I can't question why God put that on me at that moment when yeah. sometimes we're thinking, oh, my gosh, I'm going to die. Yeah. Oh, my gosh, this. What about my hair? What? None of those things happened immediately for me. What mm-hmm. happened for me is how do I share this story? Because I know someone needs to know this. Yes. And that's it. You know how they say the rest is history. Mm-hmm. But that's literally the beginning. That 30 minutes, that's what he wanted me to do. He wanted mm-hmm. me to tell the people that need to be told to keep me sane through that weekend. Yes. And then he wanted me to make sure that I was sharing that story so other people can be saved. Because what we do know mm-hmm. is that minority women, we find out about our cancers at later stages that we have a higher death mm-hmm. rate. Because I wondered, is it because ours is discovered late? Mm-hmm. But I've also heard that there are some forms of cancer that um, are more prevalent with black women. And some of those are more uh, aggressive. Quickly, yeah, aggressive. Mm-hmm. That's the word. Yes. And it's and it's all of that. And mm-hmm. in addition to one in eight women are going to get diagnosed with cancer. Yes. And when you think to... about how many women you know in your life, whether it's family, friends, you know, other relatives, co-workers, you name it. And then you begin to like pluck out, OK, one out of eight of these women could it's... get this diagnosis. Absolutely. Absolutely. And that's why we have to be proactive. That's why we have to know our family history. That's why we have to be proactive in doing our self-breast exam. Mm-hmm. That's why we have to, at the age of 40, we need to be getting our uh, mammograms every year. We need to understand that if my mother had breast cancer, that I should be getting tested 10 years earlier. She mm-hmm. was to be diagnosed at 50. That means at 40, I should be getting it. Or if she was diagnosed yes. at 40, then I should be getting it at 30. These are all the things that we should be discussing on a regular basis. And we know yeah. growing up, you would have someone say, oh, you know, Papa died of that sugar. 
okay, so what is that sugar? A yeah. lot of times we don't understand you don't what that even know what that sugar was, For that it was diabetes. Yeah. Exactly, mm-hmm. exactly. So we need to make sure that when we're communicating with our young people that we're using the right terminology so that they know yes. if something happens, heaven forbid, that when they go to the doctor and they ask those specific questions about their health, that they're seeing the right things. They're not saying, well, my grandfather died of that sugar. They need to be able to say that my grandfather had diabetes or my grandmother had high blood pressure. We need to be able to make sure that we're communicating effectively. And then when we do that, we can talk about, okay, what possibly led them to have heart disease and high blood pressure and diabetes. And you can get into the preventative discussions exactly, and hopefully, you know, change these kids' minds and get them on a on a better path sooner. Right. Eating healthy, you know, um, you know, walking daily. All of those things are preventative measures, you know, make, making sure that you're limiting your alcohol intake. There's like a slew of things that we can do mm-hmm. collectively to do better. And that's why um, I'm very vocal and outspoken about my journey because Mm -hmm. I want us to do better. And I know that if you have someone that is okay with sharing, that the message is going to get out. So I try and use any platform that I get to share that message of taking better care of their health. And that's Mm -hmm. how, you know, we started the Living to Serve Foundation is because Mm -hmm. I recognize that minority women, we don't take advantage of a lot of the programs that are available. And again, it goes Mm -hmm. back to a lot of this, you don't look like me. Yeah. Do you really know? We have history that talks about mm-hmm. telling all your business. You know, we always had this right. thing like, well, go on in my house, stay in the house, and you don't tell nobody. Mm-hmm. You know, we, we, we have those race issues, yes. you know, and it's been ingrained in us. So mm-hmm. even knowing better at the age that I am, you know, there's still sometimes we like, you get somebody to side eye, you're not sure. And yeah. because I understand that, mm-hmm. I thought this would be a vehicle for us to, you know, like our mission is to increase awareness of women's mm-hmm. health through programming, research, That's you know, how I and met education. You. Exactly. Exactly. Your yes. wonderful annual program that you yes, have. Yes, the Mammogramathon slash Sisters Rock. Yes. And uh, we have a wonderful, wonderful time with that. We've been truly, truly blessed with all the women and our sponsors that come out and uh, support us. So it's just been great. The- have you um, had the experience yet, because you've been doing this a while, to have some women reach out to you that say, because of you making me aware of breast cancer, my cancer was caught early. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, most recently, I don't know if you know Tanya Smith. She is a uh, hairdresser. Of, oh, I'm going to forget her maiden name, but it's Tanya uh-huh. Smith. She does hair. Yes. Um, she's been doing my hair for years. Absolutely love her. And if I'm not mistaken, Tanya was 45. Uh-huh. And she still had not had her mammogram. And because mm-hmm. I got diagnosed, I was like, Tanya, you need to get this done. Mm-hmm. And she did. So two years ago, 2016, November 2016, she was diagnosed with breast cancer. Wow. And she got a uh, mastectomy. Uh-huh. And I could share this and I could say her name because I asked her, you know, previously if I could share this because uh-huh. I want people to know that this happens. So in addition to her and other ladies um, finding other health issues, not just mm-hmm. the breast cancer, other women are also reaching out. Actually, day before yesterday, I was with a young lady who had surgery yesterday morning mm-hmm. because she, you know, was diagnosed with breast cancer and she didn't have any family history that she knew of. Mm-hmm. And she was talking about, you know, she had to, she was calling different family members asking questions questions and, mm-hmm. and so I go and I talk to them because everybody's not a public speaker so to speak and want right. to share their story mm-hmm. and she got my number from somebody else so a lot of that happens where I'm actually just going and meeting with ladies mm-hmm. and encouraging them I give them a journal I give them a gift card um, because I know the expense involved yes and so the money that we raise through our sisters rock through our sponsors literally go directly to these women who are going through and we also use the money because you know we also make mastectomy 
Anthony shirts. So we have the Busy Bees out of uh, mm-hmm. Washington. They are still making shirts, and those shirts are still being given away for free to wow. the hospitals, uh-huh. to all of the survivors that are coming out. Because we want you to be comfortable. We want you to... Um, you want to feel good. Exactly. You want to feel good. You want to look good. I can just imagine the battles that women have that go through this because our breasts are so much a part of our femininity. Absolutely. A part of, you know, our overall look, our our sex appeal or whatever. And then to face the fact that, okay, I may have to give up my breasts to live. Then to face that because you have a new normal, you're going to have a new body. So to be able to feel good and have a little comfort and give yourself a little boost, a little pep, that makes all the difference, I'm sure. It really does. It really does. And so um, and so we've been truly truly blessed with the people who have just stepped up like these ladies uh, the busy bees they literally volunteer their time every Monday to do this wow. you know and I have an opportunity I go over and I take a lunch I love on them I'll send them a card or you know if I can send them a donation you know to mm-hmm. thank them for the work because literally all the money that we receive is going back in so we get the fabric donated or we'll get gift cards people will donate gift cards and you still can and um, they'll go out to Joanne's fabric and they'll get it and the ladies will sew them they put the zippers you know on mm-hmm. they, and we got the pouches on the inside to put your drain tubes in and it's just amazing sometimes I just I feel overwhelmed with gratitude and just being grateful and it's good to know that there are just still so many wonderful people caring people that go above and beyond what they have to you know so often you know we're bombarded especially if you watch the news with with bad things happening and people you know committing heinous crimes that sometimes it can make you lose faith in humanity but when you can know that there's all these like unspoken spoken, unsung heroes out there doing just everyday amazing work like this. It touches your heart. Children. Yes, and even children. So I can tell you, Rich was Jeff, and you know, my, my kids go to Dunlap and I'm and I love the, the love the community. But Rich was Jeff, one of my co-workers who is now mm-hmm. retired, Dave Hall, he um, started seeing to help me with my team round of fundraising and he puts it out to all the JFL, Rich was JFL and they raise money throughout October so if anybody sees a Rich was JFL player out there, <laughs> please make sure you support them, not just for the month of October for Breast Cancer Awareness but throughout the year because these young people they go out there and they are hustling to raise money for Team Rhonda. for, uh, they pray for us we get oh. up under, we, survivors will go, survivors are those who are still fighting the battle, we're going to go to the end zone and mm-hmm. we're praying they're praying um, over us. They're praying for us. Uh-huh. They have donated almost $4,000 over the last two years. And if I'm not mistaken, Carl Taylor's team, um, I, I can't remember the age group, but they've won the pizza party the last two years or uh-huh. three years. And... Um, just absolutely amazing. So um, Rich was JFL's top notch. So if anybody sees them out there raising money, please, please, please support them. <laughs> so that's how the community is. So you have these young people going to their parents and they understand. Mm-hmm. They're asking questions. They're being knowledgeable, which means they're going to pass it on, which means that when they're talking to us, and sometimes we may even cry. Sometimes we don't even know that we're shedding tears. Then they're going to say, Mom, you know what? I saw this survivor today. They she, they were at our um, at our event that we were praying over the, the survivors. Did you get your exam done? Yes. I was going to say that. Then they're taking this back to their moms. And their aunt and yes. their grandparents. And Cousins, so, you name it. Yeah. Exactly. And that's that's what we need. We need to make sure that everybody is involved. Is involved. And um, we're constantly working. Like um, Adam Miller, he He's a um, he's the owner and head trainer at MaxFit 360. Mm-hmm. So we're actually working on something right now for the month of October to raise money. So if you see Adam Miller and MaxFit 360, you know, <laughs> support them, support them because we've got to find a cure for this. 
We got to find a cure for this. How can uh, folks donate to your foundation? They can go to www.livingtoservefoundation.org. www.livingtoservefoundation.org. And yeah, I wanted to put that out there because so many of our our listeners aren't necessarily in Central Illinois. This podcast is worldwide, so you heard it. No matter where you are, this is a great organization to donate to. A lot of times people are skeptical about who you donate to and where's the money going? Well, I can give you the J stamp of approval that this is a foundation that you can trust and this money is going to support these amazing women that are fighting this battle. And we are a 501c3. So you can look us up online and you can verify everything. All and right. So tax deductible. Yes. Yes. So you <laughs> check us out. We got the government stamp of approval right there with Jay. All right. <laughs> <laughs> I hope you enjoyed part one of this conversation and be sure to hear part two next week. Remember your monthly self breast exams. And if you're 40 and over, get your mammograms. Mm-hmm.